0: Today's program has been brought to you by Calavita. Think outside the bottle with Calavita, America's trusted family brand, makers of extra virgin olive oil and fine Italian food products. Calavita.com.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry. Inside the battle over school food and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
2: Hey, folks, welcome. Mike Lameco here. Great show today. Welcome to Food Talk this Thursday, or whatever day it is that you listen to these podcasts. But anyway, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's cold in New York. It's February. That's normal. Uh, We've got a great show today. It's going to be a fast paced show. We're playing with all kinds of formats this half of the third season. We had Ryan Sutton, one guest, one hour a couple of weeks ago, and that was a blast. But this week's going to be a faster clip. I've got three great guests coming at you in the next hour. Um, My first guest. This is Stanton Barrett, and we're going to talk about CBD delivery methods. If you don't know what that is, stay tuned. And he's also just this epically cool guy. He's a stunt guy. He's been in like 100 and some movies, and now he's in Colorado playing around with edible marijuana, but not to get high, to make you – well, we'll explain what it is in a minute. Um after him, I've got Alice Loubaton, who has been in the cheese and wine space her whole life. And you know, we had we talked about cheese and wine last week. I think we talked about cheese and wine the week before. Love that topic. Uh, we had cheese producers out here, so we're going to talk about Cheese Week in New York next week. And last is Ian Perkaya Shathi. I can't even pronounce his name. He's going to pronounce his name for you. a kid's like twenty three years old. He's got a huge import business. He has a book out we're called Hold on, hold on. I have the book with me. We're called Drumroll, Truffle Boy. Because that's what he does. He sells truffles and other things. He's smart as shit. So anyway, a quick recap of the week. A big shout-out to my boys at Kuma Inn. I got a text. I came to New York on Tuesday morning this week, and I got a text Tuesday afternoon from my buddy Brandon Webb. You know him, former SEAL Team 3 guy. He was the lead sniper instructor for all of the SEALs. He's a badass. Been deployed a bunch. Now he's a best-selling New York Times author and a... Digital media guy who runs soft rep and a bunch of other things. So he, when your Navy SEAL buddy texts you and says, hey, man, let's do dinner tonight. I got some friends I want you to meet. You're kind of like, really? I guess I will. But I said, dude, it's fucking Valentine's Day. Like, Valentine's Day. Like, who goes out on Valentine's Day? It's like the worst day of the year if you're a restaurant guy. Because, I mean, sorry for everybody that went out on Valentine's Day. I don't want to make you feel bad. But, like, if you're... If you're in the restaurant business, it sucks, because it's a night of deuces, first of all, which is like the twos, twos. That's all you're picking up is deuces. No four tops, no six tops, no eight tops. It's all deuces. And then it's like, I don't know, it's like cheesy. It's like heart-shaped pink desserts and stuff. I don't know. Anyway, like, how am I going to get a table? It's fucking Valentine's Day. But I got us in someplace, and who shows up but his buddy... Clint Emerson, who I'd never met before, but I'd heard about former SEAL Team 6. If you don't know what SEAL Team 6 is, Google them. They are the baddest motherfuckers on planet Earth. The guy's a nut. 20-year SEAL. He's retired now. Um, You know, I boxed. I've got a couple of black belts. I do open water swims, swam around Key West. You name it. I've done all kinds of shit, so I consider myself kind of my my own mini action hero. You meet these guys. You aren't shit. SEAL Team 6. We had a blast. We went to Coombe Inn, ate, and then we went out to some bars and drank too much. Um, he's also the author of 100 Deadly Skills, which is a really funny book. Um, and then last night was a great wine tasting at Rouge Tomate. Uh, Pascaline arranged it as uh, well as, who's the importer? Jenny and Francois, uh, Damien. Damien was in. He's a Loire Valley producer. He's doing great stuff with Chenin Blanc, with Cab Franc, and with Cote, also known as Malbec. It was so much fun. Love Pascaline. She's a master psalm. There's only 122 of those and 22 women who've been able to do that. Um, so So far, it's been a great week. Tonight i we getting pizza at Roberta's, so it's it's gonna it's gonna be a good night tonight too. Anyway, let me introduce you to my next guest, Stanton Barrett of Ohio Energetics. Um, by way of background, he is—I mean, this guy is like talk about action hero shit. A stock car driver, he's raced all over in all kinds of stock car stuff. I mean. <sighs> Talladega, yeah, Talladega, Talladega. I mean, holy shit! But as if that wasn't enough, I mean, I want to. Add, like, you have so many careers. So he's a stock car driver, but he's also a stunt man. That's been in two hundred films. His dad was a stunt man. Paul Newman is your godfather. Yes, that's correct. That's so cool. So just before we get to Ohio energetics, I guess so. Your dad was a stunt guy, and that's what led you to like the same kind of career path. I mean.
3: Yeah, basically, yeah. Thanks for having me on the show, too. Uh, yeah, he was a stunt man and uh, director, stunt coordinator, and kind of grew up around the business, but I grew up around a very athletic family. My mom was a, a World Cup skier, Olympic skier. My grandpa coached the U.S. ski team. She was the youngest woman to win a World Cup medal until the God. Vancouver Olympics, so... I grew up around this crazy athletic family. She's done four Ironman triathlons. Whew, uh, the full Ironman! That's two, so, that's two insane. Two in Hawaii, two in Invitational in Japan. Finished second in her class in Japan. Uh, she's quite, beast. quite a animal. Beast. She's a yeah. beast. <laughs> so when you go out with your mom, and she's. Uh, 70 and can hang on a mountain bike pretty well usually like, hey, <laughs> you actually up with some t- tough that's, genetics that's so freaking cool uh, so we got into stunts kind of on accident I guess my brother and I were racing uh, motocross um, from a young age on a factory KTM team and race professional and ski race uh, you know at high levels and mountain bike everything so when movies went from more western and car to more extreme sports uh, my dad's like well I might as well hire my two kids because they can do six – professional sports and i don't have to hire 20 stunt guys and I'll try to get rid of these kids <laughs> sooner than later no but uh so that's kind of how we got into it and, and crazy stuff i mean i was reading some of the stuff like there was i don't know what magazine or where it was but it
2: was one stunt where you're on a motorcycle on a rooftop and you had to like land on one roof and then another roof and you're dragging the camera behind you and like and ideally these things work when everything works, but. Suddenly the camera is unattached and shit goes south. And
3: yeah, what? that was a that was <laughs> the funnest day. But yeah, you're 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 dealt with a lot of different crazy scenarios. Yeah, I was jumping buildings in downtown L.A. Uh, had a big uh, they call it a Vista Vision camera. It's about a hundred pound camera package on a motorcycle jumping from one building top to another. And then thankfully it didn't break on the transition of a big gap. Uh, it broke from one top down to another about 20 feet um uh and the camera broke off and pulled me off the bike so i had a battery pack on my back uh broke broke 11 bones in my foot and and you so you bro- and, and that's your left foot which is that's the foot that you need foot. for your clutch uh
2: that's the brake foot and clutch yeah i mean not that you don't need both feet yeah, in yeah. everything
3: but yeah and then like so and you broke like how many bones like this like this 100 uh, about 72 i guess and big ones like yeah, femurs, the, the femurs and- legs ribs
2: God, damn! how Collar old are you? Uh, 44. Brother, you look great. 44 yeah, years old. You. Stunt man. So tell me about, so, you know, 420 is coming up. So I'm being like deluge with 420 ideas from this whole community. And I've had people on here that are, you know, this, the whole, you're not in that space, but the whole legalization of edibles is kind of expanding. The last election had expanded. Um, I know people, and there's certainly an underground in New York of edibles that is percolated up. Everybody knows about it.
3: Um, you're based in Colorado? Uh, no, we're actually based in Ojai, California. You're going to California? Yeah. O- o- Ojai which yeah. makes sense. The name,
2: yeah. of the, the, the name of the brand. Yeah. Um, so tell me about tell me about CBD. What what is it? Because I mean, I don't want to. You're the expert. What it does yeah. and how's it extracted and how? So this is this is you talk. You talk. I'm going to shut so, up. So
3: well, and uh, back you know you mentioned Navy Seals too. I, I directed a film called uh, Navy saw, Seals vs Zombies, and there was that. a couple Navy Seals in there, uh, Kevin Ken and Mikel Vega, who great guys, so I've got to hang out with some SEAL dudes that are yeah, they're pretty like, cool. They're, 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 they're like larger than life, they, aren't they? They kind of fit in with our stunt crew a little bit. They're <laughs> yeah. kind of same same mentality, but uh, yeah, uh, the cannabinoids though, with re- uh, relationship to the difference of marijuana, which is a THC, is psychoactive cannabinoid, um, and we deal with uh, CBD, which is another cannabinoid uh, derived from a uh, hemp and we extract that from an industrial hemp that has low THC. Uh, our product and is legal in all 50 states and about 35 countries because uh, uh, THC is under your federal legal limits. And how we... Take and where we purchase the hemp extract from falls under the Farm Bill, so it allows us to to sell it legally as well.
2: So, in other words, this is all legit.
3: So this is all legit. And right. as far as like CBD cannabinoid, uh, it's it's a phytonutrient um, that it's a supplement basically that your body needs. You have your own endocannabinoid system, and CBD works with your endocannabinoid system and your CBD one and CBD two receptors. Uh, works with your uh, neuroreceptors as well and gets the it's kind of like the your body's the engine and it's the fuel to prime your body and get it working Uh, talk
2: about some of the effects because it's really interesting it's kind of had this broad application from helping people trying to quit Drugs or quit alcohol to mood swings or depression. How, what does it do? Like, How's it working in the brain? What's it tinkering well,
3: with? Primarily, it, it, the best way to look it up is look up and just search online the endocannabinoid system. Mm-hmm. And you can look under that and see what your endocannabinoid system supports. It mm-hmm. supports all those things that you're talking about. So it's really a, a reflective uh, element to... Supporting your cardiovascular, your brain function, your kidneys, your mood, your uh, different hormone levels. Uh, it's pretty fascinating when you start research. I give people the task: like, just look up the endocannabinoid system, read about it, understand all the systems that supports in your body. And generally, most most things that humans deal with is a deficiency in their cannabinoid system. And when you take CBD, you just prime it, and you fill your body back up with the nutrients it needs, so your endocannabinoid system can work. And then you'll understand how many things that is really influential on supporting in your in your system. It's uh,
2: when did you start the business?
3: Uh, Will Clyden, our founder, he started it in 2014. So uh, pretty damn new. Yeah, it's pretty new. I was very foresight with relationship to innovation and getting patents in the space. Uh, on especially we have, we have a lot of different patents in space, but the most important one is how we deliver the cannabinoids into your system. And, how, and so how do you, you brought me, we brought you the coconut oil okay. and then we have the elixir drops, which uh, I've seen that in the in the, your, in the
2: your, when you go bilingual. to the website,
3: yep. yep. Um, and to basically we encapsulate ours in a complete water molecule Using an organic process, we're the only one that is actually a hydrosome encapsulated, fully encapsulated in water, uh, and we do that organically. Uh, anybody else that we know and see on the market has a liposome and a hydrosome, your body absorbs mm. much more effectively on oil. You know, An oil-based product it doesn't get absorbed by your body very efficiently. So if you can do that in a hydrosome, that's what your body Soaks up the most A liposome For example Ours will get Into your bloodstream In 30 seconds A liposome Will take 10 minutes Uh, A non-liposome Or hydrosome Will take 30 minutes So So in 30 seconds, right. you bingo. maintain a lot more nutrition. So,
2: what's so So I've got a jar of coconut oil. What what, what, what am I going to do with this? Is there like a daily dose suggestion? So Tell me how it works. So the
3: coconut oil, people like to bathe in it. Okay. Uh, use it in a bath. You have the coconut oil and the CBD together. So, it's, um, so, so
2: then it's soluble through your skin and your bloodstream.
3: Yeah. Our elixir as well. We're coming out with a great sports gel and cream. That's topical, again, because it's hydrosome. It gets into your system right away goes into your skin goes into your cells it goes into a cellular level that's why it's so effective um, but the coconut oil people just like like I said bathe in they put it on their skin they like to cook with it you know we have some recipes that you can yep. alter you know anything with coconut oil or oil you can utilize the one with the cbd and you just get extra benefit that the cbd provides um, or you can put use our elixir and, and use it in cooking as well you know we we do have a, a lot of people that are putting our elixir into drinks and in their, their cocktails. It's uh, really effective in supporting your liver and kidneys and detoxing and your brain function. Um, but the uh, your, your church and state, they, they do cocktail um, with their cocktails in, in Los Angeles. Uh, Chef Tony uh, started a um, spring restaurant in Los Angeles. So they mm-hmm. have a lunch menu that has our CBD. Infused within the food, and uh, the the cool benefit is that is food has nutrients and terpenes that work with the CBD. So you can really target like I need energy today, I need some focus. So he's kind of created a menu utilizing the nutritional benefits of the food, combining with the supplemental benefits of the CBD, Gotcha, and they work together. Gotcha. Where would be, because we have, this is kind
2: of a New York-based show, but the audience is national, if not international. In the United States,
3: you're in all 50 states, distribution-wise? Yeah, we sell uh, all 50 states. Uh, Through retail brick-and-mortar or through your website? Uh, Both. We brick-and-mortar and and, and website. We've kind of held off on the wholesale and and brick-and-mortar stuff for a while, because we restructured the company and rebranded and got it ready to grow like it was growing. Um, Right, because you're only two years old. Yeah, we're two years old. So three, technically. And it's a huge space, and we have the most uh, influential technology in the space when it relates to cannabinoid delivery, so Uh, We started to grow really rapidly and needed to take a step back and fix all that, and uh, now we're ready to go. So we've been really focusing on on retail distribution. Yeah, great problem to
2: have is to grow too fast and then say,
3: hold everything, put the brakes on, let's gear this up correctly. Yeah, we had to gear it up uh, correctly so we could grow uh, without any growing pains. Uh, You always have growing pains, but without ones that are (laughs) significantly damaging, so... Uh, yeah, you can get it online and at uh, ojaienergetics dot O j
2: a i energetics dot
3: com. You got it.
2: And we'll have this on the website too. Would you be in, in any brick and mortar in New York that I know of? You know uh, we're
3: not right now, but I okay. would say in the next two months you'll find us in a, in a lot of different places in New York. Yep. Because I mean, you're you could. Trying to think, I don't do too much
2: money. Like you could be like. Like right up Whole Foods Alley. You're organic, you're natural, yeah. you're a supplement. I mean they have that whole section of sort of I don't go much into, but that's just full of like that stuff.
3: Yeah, we're doing really well in uh health food stores, organic f- stores. Uh there's Air One in Los Angeles where they're best selling C B D uh, and we're gonna expand out into bigger stores. You have to do that in the right way so people know the brand. So yeah. when you're on the shelf it actually moves. So you know, there's a process to Putting it into to bigger retail outlets and working yeah. your way up, so the consumer knows what they're buying. and just Correct. Doesn't sit there. So That's a, a process. BNF. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a, definitely a challenge. So that's our process right now. And how did you get involved? So I got involved. Uh, I met the founder actually on an airplane. Uh, we were going skiing. I grew up in Mammoth, and uh, you know I come from a marketing background. I have a commercial production company, and I did You know, know I direct movies and second unit so you know, direct and. So I come from a creative side, plus uh, being in racing, I've helped a lot of brands uh, grow tremendously with uh, sales and marketing and retail sales, and I've had some other companies. So I understand retail space and consumer uh, business and B2B business and how you market a product, how you get it out to consumers and the process of it all and dealing with like big box stores and small-time stores. So I have a lot of experience with growing and branding companies and uh just came friends with uh Will Clyden, our founder and you know I could see he needed some help I'm like well I'll help you out and then it turned out like you, we need to really take this to the level it should be and uh we just got along great and we both you know I do a lot of charity work mm. and I figured this was a place you know I could never make enough money to fix all the problems but I felt like this was a cause that I could really contribute my time to that would be really beneficial to help people because that's our goal is to, to help people live better and uh, have better quality of life and educate them on, on something that uh, a lot of people don't understand. And uh, we want to just, you know, improve people's lives and health. And you're a daily user. So how do you do you, you use it in what form? Like a supplement? How? Mm-hmm. Uh, you just take it, uh, you know, in your mouth. Orally. Orally. Yeah. You take however many drops. Ours is unique, too, because when you take it, it gets into your system so quickly and your cannabinoid receptors take it in and tells you when it's the right dose because ours goes in so quickly and absorbs it that fast it gets sweet like honey when you have the right dose so it was like how do you take it how many drops it's like well generally you kind of know just based on you know people's quality of life and health and how they eat but uh the right dosage Ferraris tells you naturally. It sets like a balance. It sets itself. So it'll be bitter. You take another half drop, bitter, another half drop maybe, and then it gets a little sweet. And then you take another half drop, and then it gets like somebody gave you a spoonful of honey. So it's funny to see the transition and the effectiveness uh, of how quickly... Your body can tell that it's in your system and what it does.
2: Ohi oh, Energetics, O J I Energetics.com. Mean, it's funny because, again, talk what Brandon. And I know because we have mutual friends. We, we're all both members. I've been a New York Athletic Club member for 27 years now, and Brandon just joined. He lives on the West Coast here, Puerto Rico. I don't know. He's got a place in Tahoe. He's done really well in it with his yeah, business. Yeah, he's but, doing good. Yeah, but he's, <laughs> but he's talked about, you know, we, we, we when, we're, when we're done our nasty workouts, we'll go to the steam room and talk trash. And we, I, one of the days it just came up, he was talking about how, specifically the SEAL Team 6 guys, but how he's in that space of, like, looking for these, like, edge up, for, because SEALs train so hard, and I'm an old fart, and I train my ass off, and you're always kind of injured and coming back in recovery, That how this it's like standard orthodoxy that seals particularly in seals team six guys are constantly taking these crazy barrage of supplements because they need that to recover from the workouts from the constant injuries that you get i mean a guy like you that's doing stunts and racing it's you must feel that difference
3: yeah it's been really helpful in my life and quality of life Uh and you know i can't talk a lot about on the radio what what the benefits are because the fda stances but um it's definitely improved my quality of life significantly, and it's uh, it's a great product. Like I said, it has no psychoactive effect. Uh, it gets you into flow state. So somebody like a SEAL that is training or a sniper, uh, they see uh, great results and in focus in flow state, and a lot of people know what flow state is. Yeah. Uh, it's like when you're boxing, you're in a zone. It yep. helps you get into flow state. Um, it's really effective uh, in recovery. As well uh, You definitely. know I could use
2: it today We we did 45 minutes of cardio yesterday And then went to the other side of the gym We did an hour and 20 minutes Of high impact lifting No breaks And I went to the pool today to, So I actually took an aspirin Which I, after the workout yesterday I took a fucking aspirin Which is the first time in my life I've probably done that Since like I'm post marathon And I went to the pool today To swim And it just hurt <laughs> <laughs> I did like a mile and a quarter And i just Fuck! I was by myself, and I'm like, everything hurt—my high hamstrings, my shoulders, my back, my all the things that we were doing because we did a whole a full. We did legs and upper body and back and chest, and so. This tonight's going to get used. To.
3: Yeah, you, you you should take a, a soak and a bath in that, and you'll love our uh, sports gel. When we get that out, we'll we'll send you some right away. Do that. Thanks yeah. so much the for coming is on. Sports gel, phenomenal.
2: No, pleasure, pleasure. So, what a cool life you've had, man. I mean, Jesus Christ, Paul Newman's your godfather. It just says it up. Yeah, Stand thank Barrett. you very much. <laughs> yeah. O O J I O J A I Energetics dot com. You can find them. Um, I will talk about this because I've got a big jar in front of me that I'm going to start dosing with. After the show and on a daily basis, and I this—I could use every edge I could get. Thanks so much. Stock car driver, stuntman extraordinaire, 200 films under his belt, obviously an entrepreneur. Thanks for coming on the show. It's great to be here. Take Thank care. you very Enjoy much. Take care. Welcome to
3: Bushwick. <laughs> great <laughs> And if place. you want,
2: grab a pizza on the way. It's too cool. The pizza here is great. You can't come here really without having a Got
3: pizza. Got it. This is a cool place.
2: It's a cool place. And the pizzas are slamming. Like, you'll have this pizza and go, you'll think about this pizza like for months to come. That's the problem. That's the problem. (laughs) So you're here. Take advantage. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. My next guest is going to be on for one second. Stay tuned. We're going to play some music. And then Alice Loubaton is coming on. We're going to talk about French cheese and wine. Stay tuned for that after this. Hey, welcome back. Food Talk, Michael Lameco here. Glad that was fun, too. This is just too fast to show today. It's great to have Stanton Barrett in here. What a cool guy. Paul Newman as your godfather. God damn, is it any better than that? Holy shit. All right, all right, enough of that. Alice Louboutin's in the house. And this is what I have about shoes. There's a famous shoe, Louboutin. Something like that almost spells like that. Um, Alice and I share one thing in common, sort of, in a weird way. Alice, at one point in her life, graduated from Bryn Mawr College in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. Yes, I did. And when I was in high school. During part of my misspent youth, actually my whole youth was misspent. Most of my life, I think, has been. But at one point, one of my jobs was I was a cook in the dormitories for Bryn Mawr College. Which dorm? Don't ask me, man. <laughs> that was like it was like 1971 or two, and I just remember like like working in Bryn Mawr College, thinking like. What these really smart kids, man. This is something. So let's talk first and foremost, Alice, Cheese yes. Week in New York. Talk about it. How, how is this like the first ever? Is it the tenth and I missed the
0: last nine? Uh no, it is the first in New York. Whew, I feel good about that. Okay. Yes. That's good. Um last year in Paris was the very first Cheese Day. Uh, and it was a great success. They actually had to turn people away.
2: Wait a minute, in Paris they had a cheese day? I felt like every day was cheese day in Paris.
0: Well, you what would think hell? so. <laughs> in any case, they decided to put the spotlight on cheese and fine wine and spirits and so forth. And obviously there was a need for it, even among the French, because it was a great success. And so the gentleman um, who had started Cheese Day Paris said, wow, we should really take this to other cities. And of course he chose New York first. There's there Thank, will of course, be of course, of course, I mean, but I mean, hello. New, knowing that New York yes. is so much bigger, it couldn't be a day. It had to be a week. Okay, so it became Cheese Week.
2: And wh- who's how? Who's participating, and how? Are there restaurants? Are there chefs? Are there retailers?
0: A, a little of all. Uh, you've got uh, most of the Maître Cuisiné de France. That is, uh, well, I know who they are. But you the know the who they are. don't that, right? Means. These they are don't. these are chefs who are either cooking in the French tradition yes. or are French themselves and yes. are based in New York, some of them very famous restaurants that you would know. Let's name one, Daniel Boulu, who's couture, probably the right? most famous of the group. And there are other very, very fine master chefs in the group. And they have a chapter of the Maître Cuisinier de France here in, uh, in the United States, in New York. And they have agreed... Uh, to highlight, to feature cheeses and cheese-based dishes next week from February 21st to 26th in their restaurants.
2: What if I walked into Murray's Cheese on Bleecker Street? Would would I notice a display? Would I see something different? And it's not just Murray's, because Murray's is also now Kroger, basically. It's like kind of one big animal. But it's okay. I mean, Rob got paid. Whatever. It happens. That's the way it goes.
0: Um, So Murray's Cheese is doing several things. Uh, Every day next week, there will be demos from 3 to 6 p.m.
2: Upstairs in that demo space.
0: Right. And then there will be nightly pairing specials at Murray's Cheese Bar, because you know Murray's Cheese. Next door. A few doors down is Murray's Cheese Bar. Um, So there will be French cheese and wine pairings in addition to the regular menu. Not only that, Stefan Condler, who is the owner and winemaker at Chateau Touriel, of the Lunga Duck, yes, um, is one of the sponsors of uh, the wine sponsors of Cheese Week, and he is actually going to be present next week in New York, and he will be um, there at Murray's Cheese Bar on Thursday, the twenty third, from five to seven p.m. So he will be pouring the wine for that special cheese and wine flight.
2: And isn't there? I had somebody on here a little while ago. It's kind of like... I thought it was a pop-up, but it isn't. There's like a new French... There's a cheese store on, like... Spring Street. Spring Street called...
0: 41 Spring Street, to be exact. It's
2: really cute. It's in that section of Nolita, yes. just north of Little Italy. Um, it's
0: between Mott and Mulberry.
2: Between Mott and Mulberry on the right. north side, mid-block. And it's really kind of a cool space. And it's
0: very cute, and the name is cute because it's called the French Cheese she- Board, yep. which is a play on words because the the organization in France that sponsors it is the French Cheese Board, gotcha. the official trade board. Gotcha. So it's it's very cute. It's a beautiful Yes, yeah,
2: it's it's, beautiful. It's right.
0: I think people should really go in and discover it because you can buy cheese there, you can taste cheese there, you can learn about cheese and cheese making. It's it's very cool.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't. It's not like cluttered. It's not like you're walking in and there's aisles of cheese. It's oh, like no, no, no. They were only selling like six or seven varieties it's of cheese. very curated. They yeah, they bore down very deeply. Yes. Um And then there's like people there are super. What did you bring? You bought a ton of cheese. And I there's okay. no one. Okay. So, so, speaking, so. Of
0: speaking of Murray's, I was there just a few hours ago, okay. and as a matter of fact, the guy behind. Behind the counter, when I said, "Oh well, you know, I need um, I need this for a wine and cheese tasting that I'm doing with a radio talk host," he said to me, "It's not wine and cheese, madam. It's cheese and wine."
3: <laughs> okay.
0: And I said, "Okay, we're in Murray's. We're in Murray's, right?" And so he gave me this wonderful assortment. We consulted, and I think that the cheeses are, and he said, do not put these in the refrigerator. Of course. Most people don't realize The temperature
2: they're supposed to eat cheese. Yeah.
0: Cheese should never be in the refrigerator when just before serving. Right. You should probably take it out at least an hour or two before. Easily. And that's something that most people don't know. And I tell them, the cold actually paralyzes the cheese and makes it numb.
2: Yeah, and you can't taste things when they're cold anyway. I mean, it's well, just, it's course. the same
0: thing with a white wine that's been overchilled.
2: Yeah, people drink it, wine out of the refrigerator. It's not. degrees and it's, degrees and it's, it's shut none. down. Right, yeah.
0: exactly. So anyway, we have here some, in in honor of, of Cheese Week, um, we have some beautiful cheeses from France. We have a pico. It's this, this is a pico picadine, and it's from the Poitou.
2: Yeah, I know how to and, spell I know that, and yes. Poitou, one of those weird words. and it
0: It's a goat cheese. That's this guy. It's a goat cheese. Yes, it is a goat cheese. So we have goat's milk cheese here. We have sheep's milk cheese. And we have cow's milk cheese. I wanted to cover sort of as they say, France is a is a grand plateau de fromage. France itself is a great cheese tray. Yeah, I mean yeah. Churchill
2: had that great line: that you know country that has 350 cheese for every every day of the year."
0: I think it's more like 400 and something. I'm now. sure it I, is. some I'm, new I'm sure appellations. So we have these wonderful cheeses here, and what I wanted to talk about because. We have, why is it cheese and wine or wine and cheese? And most people don't. They say, yes, it's wonderful. I want to do a wine and cheese tasting. Wine and cheese go great together, but do they know why? And it's the old idea, I tell people, of why do the English put milk in their tea? Because tea... Tea has tannin in it, right? Sometimes you can drink a tea if you've let the bag steep too long. That makes your mouth pucker. Those are tannins. Okay, wine has tannin. Tannin is really the backbone. Otherwise, the wine would collapse. But people find sometimes that the tannins are a little bit astringent. Okay? And the cheese is protein. And protein and tannin, when they come together, I won't say they neutralize each other. But they come together in a perfect marriage that makes each one taste better.
2: Somebody had, was here a couple of weeks ago with some Camembert, and we paired it with the. I usually drink white wine with cheese. I must say, in the interest of full disclosure, I really like white wine with cheese because I find it. Okay. I find when you talk about tannin, and sometimes red wines are oaked, that that those sort of oaky tannins fight with each other um, with cheese, anyway. But. Um, we're pouring wine here, so let's eat some cheese. Let's, let's cut some cheese. We have all this cheese. We're just sitting here talking. I feel bad. Pamela Pamela Whitman's in the house, and she's got a knife and a cheese board, and we have bread, and you know it's what? not working. Don't worry about it. The thing's not working. It's broken. Don't worry. Well, we we have we have a little bit of wine in this glass. I'll live. So what am I drinking? Is this like a, a Marsannusen? I don't think there's any Viognier. Yeah. What is this? Do we know what this is? The the,
0: the are you talking about the white or the, the
2: only rose? one I have the white yeah
0: rose. oh the rosé this is oh. the rosé
2: so oh it is look at that color barely okay sorry. Okay.
0: You know what we can do? We can open. I was using the Coravin, but we seem to be having a technical problem. We, I do have a corkscrew, if you'd like to open the, the bottle the regular way. Um, this, the rosé, is actually a, um, it's a uh, blend And the rose is called Havana. This is from Chateau Touril in the Languedoc. This is AOC Minervois. It's 70% Saint-Saul and 30% Grenache. And why is it called Havana? Because Stefan, the winemaker and owner, he loves Cuba and he loves cigars. And so he gave that name to this wine, which he also loves.
2: Got you. Me and, too. I've never been to Cuba, but I love cigars.
0: Uh huh. And um, so I think it's a it's a really nice, um, it's a, it's a nice nicely balanced wine, and I think it goes really well, probably really well with the with the goat cheese.
2: That cheese was delicious. I just tasted it. I love this cheese. Okay. I've had like I've got like a, I've become like a cheese addict. I don't know when this happened. Why I turned like. 59 to 60 and so now i eat cheese like almost every night after dinner because i'm okay. not a dessert guy and i found it's like a little like suddenly it became a habit because i i don't eat much during the day so i have a pretty decent dinner but i don't eat that much dinner and then i get the munchies at like eight o'clock at night so i take cheese out when i'm making dinner and let it sit at room temperature and then at like eight eight thirty nine o'clock when i'm hungry i just eat some cheese and you it know, just seems like and that, and it's almost like right. a daily thing that popped up out of nowhere at this age of my life well, why i don't know
0: anyway the dairy is very healthy
2: well, that's, I'm not arguing. I'm Right, say it's a bad thing,
0: and it's also um, an excuse
2: to have another glass of wine, which
0: right. is true. Sorry. And you know, I don't know who said it, but there's a wonderful expression: "Cheese's milk's leap into immortality."
2: I have heard that, and I thought that yes. was brilliant. It that's is true.
0: It's it's a great line. As you a think great about it, line. I mean, that
2: was like that was like the the nexus of why why cheese. I mean, you have got to milk cows twice a day. You can only drink so much milk. Use so much butter. Right. And then cheese is like this brilliant creature. And pretty much every culture that has dairy has a cheese. Element to it, right. but none, not as brilliant as the French in a way. But but we're getting really good with America too. So what's the second cheese? Talk to me about oh. this with this. Kind so of
0: the second one older, is it, bit more it, of this a This is a sheep's rind. milk from the Pyrenees, and it's been aged in a a cave. Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. this is Pyrene Brebi sheep's milk cheese from the Pyrenees, and it's made in the Basque country. That's oh, delicious in the Bayonne region of the French Pyrenees mountains. Uh, and, uh, it's a, it's a pasteurized cheese, uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's really lovely.
2: So, back to Cheese Week. Yes. We're going to see restaurants participating. They'll be doing something at Danielle. Is there, like, a website people can go to to avail themselves of all of the yes. permutations? There may be a tasting, like, we know that Murray's is doing something every day, but...
0: Yes, so you there's a, well speaking let's go back to the french cheese board that you mentioned okay. the french cheese board is having something that people can take advantage of next week and this is for the for the public uh there will be free cheese and wine pairing tastings on the 24th 25th and 26th of february friday saturday and sunday friday from 5 p.m. to 7 Saturday from 4 to 6 and Sunday from 4 to 6. And it's complimentary. There's no cost, but you must reserve in advance. And I will give you the email to write to.
2: Give me the email to write to.
0: Cheeses of France, all in one word, at the Baddish Group dot com Holy shit, that's the b a d d i s h you know we'll do you
2: leave that you leave yes. that with with our yes. esteemed engineer and he will stick it on the website no one's gonna remember that
0: okay. So cheeses of France at thebaddishgroup Got gotcha. you. It'll be on the website. It'll be on the website, and everyone can register, re- reserve free of free of charge Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it's supposed to be a great weekend. It's supposed to
2: be warm this weekend, right? It's supposed to like freezing. Well, it's freezing. not this
0: weekend. It's the oh, following weekend. weekend. Okay,
2: well, Maybe right. it'll be warm then too. If not, right. if not, you can eat cheese when it's cold. Doesn't matter.
0: Okay. Another thing, Zabar's. Okay. If you're okay. up okay. on Uptown. the yep. Upper West Side, yep. Zabar's will be doing in store tastings, cheese samplings on February twenty fourth and twenty. Fifth from two to five p.m. The Maison Kaiser chain, which Love I'm sure you Kaiser. know, right? Love Kaiser Maison stuff. Kaiser is going to be highlighting all of their French. Cheese-based dishes and French cheeses uh, next week, such as French onion soup, uh, croque monsieur, a cheese platter. i tell
2: you what. If you've never been – here's an excuse, folks. We're going to have to wrap this segment up in a minute. But right. If you've never been to Maison Kaiser in New York, go. They're all over the place. Eric Kaiser started in Paris, I don't know, 20-some years ago. He's a master baker. He's Alsatian. He's a beast. His breads are so good. He now has over 100 Maison Kaisers around the world. Yes. And in New York he's expanded. He's got six or seven of them. I remember when he first opened up on the upper east side. Now he's down, he's got two in Flatiron, one by Union Square. To my mind, it is probably the best baguette in the city. And and his other baked goods are amazing. And the savory stuff is really strong too. So that's a great excuse to hit Maison Kaiser, buy some great bread, get some pastry to go, and some cheese. Cheese based recipes.
0: And if I might yeah. Uh, Stéphane, as I told you, Stephan Candler of Chateau Touriel will be here. And on Monday, uh, February 27th at 7.30 p.m., he's doing a special winemaker dinner mm. at Madison Bistro at 238 Madison Avenue. And it is a special four-course meal, which will be created by Chef Claude uh godard who is one of the maître cuisinier de france and if people want to reserve it's 75 dollars a person four wines that are going to be poured by Stefan himself and four delicious courses uh the telephone number to reserve is true. we'll have
2: it on the website we'll okay. put it on the website Thank we're going to you. leave that whole piece of paper that you're holding and reading from yes. with my guy <laughs> and he's going to give us a link so that we can because that's going to be all that stuff on the website Bingo. We'll just yes. go to the website, folks. Celebrate cheese. You know, I have become a complete cheese head. Tia Keenan was here a few weeks ago. I love Tia Keenan and Aristo. She has a great new book out, The Art of the Cheese Plate. You know Tia? She's great. She opened – when Murray's opened up his cheese bar, she was like the original from – Murray kind of picked her. She started right. – she's a genius. Thanks so much for coming out. We've You're chewed welcome. up 20 minutes too quickly. Thanks for bringing cheese. Thanks for bringing wine. Folks, eat cheese more often. It's great for you. I can attest to that. It's so much fun. And Thank I'm, you, like, I'm not a dessert a guy, so it's like after dinner – cheese anytime that's always what i opt for you can have the 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 chocolate thing over there or that spring but no no i want cheese
0: the big apple next week is going to be the big cheese
2: the big cheese thank you that's a great way to finish the big apple is going to be the big cheese eat cheese Live longer. It's true. Stay tuned. My last guest is amazing. This kid's 25 years old. He is one of the truffle kings of America. Um, started the business at 17. He was from the middle of nowhere, he came to New York and got into the truffle business. And guess what? He's like an expert on ingredients, truffles specifically, but other things we're going to talk about. Truffles a lot, but also ingredients ingredient fraud and how a kid like him developed this business basically out of thin air um, in the space of just a couple of years. He became like a guy that nobody knew to a guy that everyone wants his truffles. Stay tuned for that next right after this break. folks. Mike Helameco here. Everybody knows that great cooking really starts with great ingredients, and these days we have so many options to choose from. Well, I go back to the Colavita family brand for years, and there really is a Colavita family behind this brand. I got their story long after I started using their products. Back in the mid-80s, when I was the chef at the Ritz-Carlton here in New York City, one of the things you can do as a chef is order your own food. You do the purchasing. And we switched olive oils to Colavita. When I had my own restaurant down in Cape May, New Jersey, the Globe for years, that's all we ever poured at the table. That's all I ever cooked with. And then when I started my PBS show in 1999, I thought, you know, if I'm going to look after underwriting and funders, why don't I go after products that I actually use at home, that I actually cook for my family with and in my restaurant with. I've been working with them for 15 years with the PBSC and now with Heritage Radio. The Colavita family goes back generations in Italy. They make their olive oil from great sourced olives, traceable sourced olives, just south of Rome in Molise province, Abruzze, which is where my family hails from. Since then, their families moved here, so there's Colavitas living in Rome, Colavitas living in America. It's a great trusted family brand. It's the olive oil I use, and I recommend you try it as well. Folks, welcome back. Welcome back. I've got a book in front of me. I it on my desk just the other day. Love the blurb for it. Um, it's called Truffle Boy, My Unexpected Journey Through the Exotic Food Underground. Ian, pronounce your last name for me. It's Perkayasta. I'm glad I didn't do that because I would have never <laughs> gotten that. So this is a crazy, crazy story. Talk to me. I mean, you've got blurbs from everybody big. You've got Sean Brock... On the cover, you got David Chang doing an intro. I mean, wow, that's like, you know, young, young gun royalty. Um, let's kind of start. You're from where originally? Because I don't want to say like the middle of nowhere. Where are you from? Well, I'm from
4: Houston. Okay, from Houston. Yeah, but my family relocated to Arkansas.
2: Re- that's what I'm that's, when I was So it's kind of it's the middle of nowhere. Sorry about it. No, don't, don't even worry. But your grandparents were like this huge influence. They had a cabin in the Ozarks. They did. And what was, the, like, what was like the nexus? What happened there that got you into food?
4: Well, I had always, like, grown up eating well and cooking with my grandfather and my mother. And we relocated to Arkansas when I was 15 because my grandparents had built this cabin in the Ozarks in in the 80s. And we would visit as kids. And, um, you know, during the recession, my family just decided that it was time to change. And so Arkansas was... Uh, this pursuit at a simpler life and so we got to Arkansas and of course it was very difficult adjusting and making friends and so I started spending a lot of time with my uncle and his family who were already living in Arkansas and my uncle was an avid outdoorsman and loved the outdoors and you know he took me mushroom foraging and so that's how I got hooked on all things mushrooms and how I became obsessed with foraging um, almost 10 years ago. Um, and so that kind of propelled me on this um, journey to discovering all these different varieties of mushrooms, and which so mushrooms are above ground, and now we get
2: truffles, which is kind of a
4: related species. Truffles are related; they're yes. they're an underground fungus that yes. have a symbiotic relationship, relationship with, with their, the things
2: that are certain with
4: their host tree. Host yeah. tree; so they Thank grow on you. they grow on the on the roots of trees, um, and so there there's no, there are no local truffles in Arkansas. But what ended up happening was that i had always wanted to taste truffles because truffles are considered the king of the castle with, with mushrooms. And so um, on a visiting trip to Houston, I went um, to visit some friends, and they graciously invited me out to dinner. And they said, you know, Ian, order anything on the menu. And I saw this <laughs> black truffle ravioli dish with the foie gras sauce, and I was like, oh, we I shit. really need to have this. And so I ordered it, and from that moment on, I mean, from the moment the truffle touched my lips, I mean, it was pure ecstasy. So how was the
2: truffle incorporated in the dish? Was it in the filling of the ravioli? Was it shaved? Black truffles
4: are normally cooked. Yes, it was chopped in the ravioli, and then there was also some in the sauce, and there was obviously um, some slices as well on top of the ravioli. And you have
2: this flavor. We're not going to bother. I mean, most of us are listening to this. You're a foodie. So white truffles are really super pungent, very different. usually eat them raw. Black truffles are cooked. Uh, Those are kind of the ones I grew up eating more of because I worked in French kitchens. But it's really hard to describe the flavor profile, so I'm sure. not going to get into it because it's like sure, sure. it's, it's just, just subjective. It's really subjective, but it's really it's really unctuous, really rich, full of umami, fucking delicious. Right. Um, so we're going to kind of fast forward because I love the book because it kind of it starts like at the beginning. So you you, you, you forego college, right? So I, and I decide your dad was an entrepreneur, so he was supportive. You had you had an idea, Dad. I want to do this thing. And your dad said, "Okay, so with like a little loan of a few thousand dollars, four or five thousand dollars." You no, up, no, no loan. No loan.
4: No. You come to New York, and you're living in Weehawken, <laughs> and you're working for who? So I'm working for an Italian company. Right. So my, my senior year of high school, I'm basically cold calling different accounts, and I find this Italian company that's looking for U.S. representation, and so and I. And it was I'm, not Urbani; it was somebody else. Yes. Yes. And We're it was, <laughs> you know that yes. And they're big players. They are. We'll get and, into them later. And so, um, they were looking for someone in the U.S. to to bring in truffles and find customers for them, and so I. You so you raised right. So you're like a 17 year old kid. I'll do it. Yeah, basically. A, so 17 year old kid from Arkansas. I'll do it. Well, yeah. So senior year, I was I was basically bringing in shipments for them and finding customers and shipping truffles out of state to different cities across the U.S. And I turned my parents' garage into a shipping center. And after class, I would you know make sales calls, or you know after school, I would go to the airport and pick up truffle shipments. And uh, What airport is there in uh, Northwest Regional Arkansas? Yeah, <laughs> Northwest Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that. Sorry, I <laughs> have not had the pleasure <laughs> yeah. of, um, of so, uh, entering or exiting the right. airport. So, with the profits that they had made my senior year, they established an office, a small office for me in Newark new jersey and so which after is if you if,
2: if you've never been to newark folks it it's charm it's very filled, <laughs> very delightful tidy little picket fences and victorian <laughs> it's, houses it's and green lawns and neighbors that wave to each other right from yeah. across from front people board, are just just, so nice yeah
4: um and so i moved and i you know i told my parents you know this is something that i really want to do and you know i think i'm i'm so fortunate to have parents that allowed me to like move to New York with no job and no well, I guess I had this job, but I mean no um no no plans for college. I mean of course no, that's they, they want and you're
2: also are your parents first generation or second generation? My father's uh Indian, so yeah, he moved and to And I don't want to make generalizations, but I mean a lot of times you know Indian parents, like Korean parents, sure. like no dude, college well, well, that was... postgraduate shit. We, you're gonna be one sure. of three
4: things. Well that I mean that was, you know, Yeah, I mean, that was something that my parents had always established early on. But I think that, um, you know, once I started selling these truffles in high school and, like, once they realized that this could be something interesting, they let me defer college and move to New York and... You know, kind of go my own way, and it was well. It was when we all- say
2: move to New York, we're going to have to put an asterisk on that because <laughs> New Jersey. Thank you. <laughs> and I hate to shit on Jersey. I got a house in Cape May. Whatevs, folks. But the difference between living on this side of the Hudson and that side of the Hudson it's a, it's a it's, huge difference. It's, it's huge. market. It's only separated by a couple hundred yards of the Hudson River, but culturally sure. speaking, it may as well be. Well, will take that New Yorker cartoon. Actually, sort of, but then anyway, we won't get sure. it. That's an old cartoon. So your first apartment was just like Verstunken three third floor walk up in some shithole building where the guy smokes cigarettes
4: basically i mean you know it was a nice family but uh but yeah i mean i was living <laughs> in, in the book I I, I I was living i was living in the attic apartment and you know i knew nobody and had uh no money and no friends and it, it was bleak and for you the didn't next know anybody
2: years. here and so i mean you got balls brother so so i'm reading the book and i get to like in the beginning of the book So you're in a crappy apartment and you're you're gazing across the Hudson longingly at Gotham City. Well,
4: my, my street actually overlooked... The Manhattan skyline. I mean, yeah. it was beautiful, yeah, it and is. every right. night I would be like, "Wow, yeah. it's so pretty." Be nice. To one be there. day, one day, <laughs> <laughs> one day, maybe
2: I'll and go. And then, like your first calls are like cold calls, and you're not just. I mean, you're walking. I, so, so the very first day, it's not easy to get
4: into per se. It's
2: not easy no. to get into that kitchen. You're up in the Time Warner Building. Sure, I
4: everything mean, was hellish. I mean, the very first day, I cold called. I had a little rolling yes. bag filled with truffles, yes. and my very first cold call was per se.
2: Right, where basically and, you're lucky you didn't just get thrown out the window.
4: Well, I mean, they are basically like, you know, who the fuck are you? Right. Um, and they didn't buy anything. But who was the chef um, then? Benno? No, he had just left. Okay. It was still Eli. Okay. Uh, and then my second stop was LaBurna Den. Okay. Same story. I have fun, just down the street, <laughs> just down the street. Third stop was Danielle. Okay. Yeah, right? I'm hitting all those uptown restaurants. Yeah. And then I go downtown. I go to Momofuku. Same story. I go all the way to Brooklyn Fair. Same story. Um, and then I make a couple more calls, and, you know, I had spent $50 on cab rides, and to me at the time, that was just so much money. Yeah. And so I left defeated, you know, I took the train from Port Authority back to my, um, my warehouse in Newark, and I fell asleep, and I, I, you know, got into this daze, and I woke up right at my warehouse and so I hopped off the bus and started walking to my warehouse with this bag full of travels. and that's, when I, ju- that's when I got that's I
2: jumped so if you didn't think his day was bad enough so his first day folks first day welcome to Gotham City per se no thanks repair no thanks yeah. Danny, no thanks my food, no thanks. Brooklyn, no thanks Falls asleep on the bus from the Port Authority. And if you've ever been to the Port Authority, it's that's depressing too. <laughs> totally. Then you get on one of those
4: shit buses on the way to sure. Newark. Sure. Wake up. You're walking back to the – Well, my wa- my warehouse was actually um, – it was above a methadone clinic. So, <laughs> so, my, so my parents had actually advised me to skip that direct stop in take front of – Take the next of, stop. Yes, take the that. next stop. Yes. And, and that, that was the wrong choice, obviously. So you're
2: walking with your briefcase full of thousands of dollars of truffles and suddenly you notice – that there's four or five kids on bmx bicycles circling around you you're not from the city so instead of having your little radar go off like shit's gonna happen i better start it or something right. no, you find yourself like suddenly knocked on the ground with kids grabbing your cell phone your wallet
4: and your bloody truffles dumping the truffles into the street rolling and- around on the streets of newark yeah it was pretty bleak um Cars are going by. I mean, running over some running of, over the, the truffles. truffles. I mean, they're they're being turned into pate on the so. On yeah, the so cement. this is like the worst moment of your life. So
2: let's. <sighs> when did things start to turn the corner? Let's go like forty pages into the book. Uh, so at some point you get some three sales. years.
4: Three years down the. Three years yeah. that long. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right.
4: It took a while. I mean, honestly, you know, I was paid on commission only, so every sale Ooh. I made Ooh. was you know five percent in my yeah. pocket, and it got to the point where. The Italians were like, you know what? You're making too much money for a 19, 20 year old. And fuck you, we'll do it ourselves. Well, next I project. mean, it was kind of like an insult because it's like I am living this really depressing life, and you built a business not, for them. I'm, I've built this company, right. and yet I have no money, and I like can't afford to go out to any of the restaurants I'm selling to. So that's when I realized something has to change. And so for the next eight months, I started, you know, devising a way of getting out of there, and eventually. Um, I did. And, um, I started my own company and, um, now it's almost five years old. And, um, and you're selling everybody. Yes. We sell to all the places we're just talking about. Um, for the uh, most part, for the most part, there, there, there's like one on that list that, I We're, won't mention doesn't that, I, matter. They, <laughs> that I don't really get along so with. So let's but,
2: get into Truffle, because sure. one of the things that's fascinating to me, you're so young, you're so smart, you're so stoked, you must have thick skin um, to put up with. I mean, I, 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 three years is a long time to be. So, then again, everyone that comes to New York, sure. shit, my first three years in New York, I think I moved five fucking times. I right, was like, right. whatever. You realize, right. this, this place doesn't like, you know, it's not sure. welcoming you with open arms. You want to come here, you've got to kick some ass to get noticed. No, totally. um, but the Truffle business is full of like mislabeling and fraud and sure. bullshit. I, so I'll flash back to when I was the, uh, a kid at the CIA. So I'm a, like a broke kid from Philly. I'm the Culinary Institute of America. It's 1980. And I'm trying to think how I can save money, make money. So I'm an RA in the dorms. So you get free room board. And you get okay. to meet the girls. There weren't that many girls anyway. But I met my <laughs> wife. Um... Okay. So that worked. And so then I'm thinking, why don't – so I also knew about food distribution, and I knew some big New York importers. Why don't I go to the Pershing agent of the CIA and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old. I'm like 22-year-old guy that's been in the business. Why don't I sell you some stuff? So I do. The Italian guy is a Pershing guy. I go there. I said, you know, I've got this catalog from a New York importer. I'd like to sell you some things. And I'm not going to sell cornmeal or flour because there's no right. money in that. So he says, sure, bring some – so I'm looking at saffron, dried morels, truffles. I'm just cherry-picking the high-end shit. Right. So so, I have them send me samples. This is a crazy. You'll love this. Okay. I have them send me samples of their black truffles in tins. Okay. And the Culinary Institute was buying from Urbani at that point. Okay. So, we open up our black truffles, and we're cutting. You know how you cut samples next to each other. You call it right. cutting. We're cutting these samples, and ours look great when you take them out of the can. But then when you go to cut them on the inside, they're really, like, light-colored, like white. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck? And the morels looked just about like morels, but they were slightly different. Huh. So so back then there's no internet there's no like real sure. fast check your smartphone take a picture Ta-da, you got back then. You went to the library and you read like, "What could this be?" Right. Turns out that the truffles were summer truffles. Sure. That were packed in a jar with black black dye. And by the time they went through the retort and you opened that can a year later, they looked like a black truffle. They'd absorbed the dye, but they right. weren't black truffles. Right. So you're not you're not selling apples for apples. Turns out the morels were false morels. There's a species of morel. Sure. It's poisonous, but there's a way to remove the toxicity. If you and blanch them. If they're blanched, but of course they're cheaper. So I'm like, what? <laughs> like that's my intro to like book. And then now. Now, I, now I've learned all about the bullshit of like the olive oil business. Sure. How you know tank farms in Italy or have shit coming in from all over the world sure. comes in Italy, and now it's Bertoli Italian oil, or now it's Berrio Italian, right, or whatever. Right, sorry, right. sorry, sorry, those brands, but you know you know the story. <laughs> so talk about truffles because it's crazy. And, and specifically, let's right. get to Serbia and the guy because that's a really cool story. Right? Like like Italy sells ninety nine percent more olive oil than it makes. Sure. Italy sells a hell of a lot more truffles that are being foraged sure. by little guys with dogs sure. in Alba.
4: Well, yeah. I mean, I think the my hope with this book was to, to de- demystify a lot of these exotic ingredients and to really show like the origins of where these ingredients are actually coming from. And with truffles in particular, I mean, everyone thinks that white truffles come from Alba in Italy and black truffles come from Perigord in France. Correct. And in reality, I mean, the majority of white truffles are now coming from Eastern Europe. I mean, Serbia is a huge exporter of white truffles. Uh, and when I say exporter, I mean smuggled out of the country um, because there's actually a, a huge 100 percent tax on serbian truffles if you disclose them to the, the serbian government um, so serbia and they're Hungary, the exact same it's tuber asthetium.
2: It's no, ex- tuber magnatum tuber magnatum it's the exact same truffle growing in alba so yes
4: quality wise they're like you cannot tell them apart well here's the thing with truffles i i like to say that truffles have their own terroir like wine okay so just because it's the same species doesn't mean it's okay. going to taste exactly the same um, but White truffles from northern Italy and Piemonte and from Tuscany and from Marche have a very similar flavor and aroma to the white truffles in Serbia. However, white truffles in southern Italy, for instance, have a completely different aroma and flavor and are actually $500 a kilo less um, because of this slight change in odor and, and shelf life. Actually, they're, they're very, very... Uh, poor and shelf life the, the white truffles from southern Italy. Um, so, so how is this disclosed? Like when I get because I used to be when Johnny Mag, not, when Johnny disclosed. Magazzino
2: sends me an email every fall and uh, now the white truffles are right. coming in and here's one the size of a tennis ball and here's the price per kilo and right. I'm at some restaurant and the, the truffle lady shows up with her. Is she still in business? Yes. Some hot Italian chick that sells truffles and has little bags that say the truffle lady.
4: Yep. Like how do we know where that shit's coming from? These are actually all characters in the book, actually. But
2: uh, <laughs> sorry, everybody.
4: But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, are I don't they wanna... identified as characters in the book, or are they under other names? Uh, you know, aliases. And okay, such. okay, sorry, sorry. I mean, so we're gonna I, get to
2: where Bonnie in a minute because that's I, fascinating. Yeah, I,
4: you know, I don't wanna, I don't wanna say anything bad about the competition, but um, but I'm saying as a consumer, like, how to no, do... nothing, nothing is disclosed. I mean, nothing. Truffles, it's like a mystery thing. It, it's a it's a mystery box and i think the reason why i've done well is that i have taken this educational role and you know chefs trust me and you i have, have david
2: chang wrote you fucking open david <laughs> said that like the people that he did, some of the well, not that david doesn't like david's not david kind of hates like agent orange it's like it's indiscriminate in a way but he's smart because he's not just a hater he just like the whole hype around specialty foods 99 percent of it is bullshit and right. I hate to say this to people, but a lot of the people involved in it are just bullshitters. Sure, right? I mean, that's yeah, part of the totally, book. Totally, totally. Part of the book. So you've gotten the chefs got you had to earn their trust by coming in that back door and explaining shit to them that they may not have
4: known. Sure, but it's also walking a fine line because it's like with some customers, you know, some chefs don't want to be taught anything new because they're they're in this exactly they're in this position where they know everything there is to know about ingredients and like, who the fuck are you to tell them different most chefs. And so, um, and so, yeah, I mean, there, there are passages in the book that, that go into this. Um, and, and like, you know, in my day to day business, I try to cater to, you know, a younger generation of chefs because, um, in my opinion, this younger generation of chefs are more, more willing and more open to learn about these ingredients. Uh, I, a joke I have with my colleagues is that, you know, not to sell to anyone above 50th Street because anyone <laughs> above 50th Street is either, so funny. you know, very old or it's has been there forever. It's and so, Zip code biased, dude. Sure, I mean, sure, I've so. lived
2: downtown since like the last 20 some years, and, you know, my friends that are opening restaurants are never recycled. They're like, come on, I'm like, Last time, I, I mean, I right. work out every day and fifty. I in new your athletic Club and then I just head south. I don't right. if I don't have to go north of Fourteenth Street, I'm happy. Right, and I don't have to go north Fourteenth right. Street for much. Right, no, but I mean, so you built this amazing this, business. You got yeah. this great story, and it's and you're so bloody smart because it's not just. I mean, we can go into other stuff. What's that? The Gucci mushroom? That's historical. So you have this story where your parents, you hear about this mushroom from from my from my uncle, from your uncle, the Himalayas, I think. Yes. So Gucci, and and you're thinking it's G U C C I. That's how it's spelled. Gucci, like the clothes. Gucci, Italian brand.
4: It's an Italian luxury brand. Yes. And it turns out that they are. They're morels. They're morel mushrooms. They grow in the Himalayas. After, and, as,
2: as winter turns to spring, as that snow thaws. Exactly. And then you have this thing where you gotta, you're trying to figure out. You're emailing some for a And you're trying to figure out, like, I'd like to see these things, but I know it's time sensitive. And you get this first year, and it's like, does that mean come next year?
4: But there's still snow on the ground, dude. Right, right. So so basically, like, I, I started foraging for morels right. in Arkansas right, right. when out. I was 15. Right. And I had the opportunity to go to the Himalayas and forage these Gucci mushrooms, which are, of course, morels. And so, yeah, I mean, it was just this wild... It's been a wild journey, I mean, this these nine years that um, I've been in this industry. And it's I've, I've learned a whole lot, and I've made a ton of mistakes, but... Um, That's how you learn. It's been... Yeah, I mean, everything has been... Um, trial and Error. And did you ever meet
2: Eugenia Bones? She was the head of the New York in, in Mike, what's that mushroom picking society? The one in Tribeca? N- yeah, I think she's in Tribeca, Soho. Yeah, yeah, and She's yeah. brilliant. So there's actually, there's foragers in New York that go there are. in the secret spots in Jersey sure. and upstate. I mean, they know where to get stuff because sure. we did, I mean, who knew, but it turns out in America, we have seps growing, we have Morel's growing, we've we have got Chanterelle's Black growing. We've got I mean, it all. Right, didn't you, did not there a thing in your book about people picking up Chanterelle's in Central Park? I've done it. What the fuck? Where? I can't yeah. ask where. That, that, then you'd blow the whole thing.
4: Well, you know. Don't I mean, tell me where. I don't want to know where. A, a dog probably pissed on the patch. But I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, or I mean, a rat. I, but yeah, a rat or something. But there, there are tons of wild mushrooms and grains that that grow within the city. I mean, I see lamb's quarter all the time growing. In Bushwick? Man, I see the, I ever, the the Chinese
2: are so cool this way I have seen Chinese women Harvesting something In that median strip On Houston Street Like on the uh, Lower East Side Yeah, ginkgo nuts Not only It wasn't ginkgo nuts It was somewhat was an herb They were all picking it I'm like What the fuck are they picking? But they knew what it was And right. it's, you know They're smart And it's, right. and it's free and I'll just sassafras go home. Maybe sassafras I go It's going to go home They're going to eat this shit So th- I have <laughs> to tell you The Urbani thing was funny I met Mrs. Urbani I was in Umbria We were filming I was eating a restaurant Some crazy restaurant Some crazy guy And you know, this. I loved half of his family. I didn't like him. And I'm sitting outside having a cigar after dinner, and this woman comes up and introduces herself as the Urbani. She lives sure. upstairs. And you have this moment where you're watching 60 Minutes. She lives upstairs here? No, lives upstairs above this restaurant. Okay. With the, with the Tina, the one with the tan the tan yes enough upset <laughs> so you have this 60 minutes thing where you watch the 60 minutes and you're just like with leslie stall and you're going holy shit because i i mean your bodies are huge you are kind of like royalty or whatever so i'm not gonna i'll probably if i say I, anything more i'll probably die because you can see I, my window from i helicopter. cannot i
4: cannot disclose anything but read the, the, the book we'll just say read, read the book
2: read the book it's page something or other and it's really really funny totally well congratulations man so this Thank is a great you. read because I mean, I have been championing... So I'm one of those old guys, and so many chefs of my generation, like, you know, bemoan the state of restaurants today and kids today, and I'm like, right, right. what the fuck do you ever get out of your bubble? Like, it's never been better. Like, the chefs in America are better than ever. The food scene is a thousand times better than when I was a chef. The ingredients are it's a million times better, and sure. the fact that you've got, like, 25- and 30-year-olds going out to eat on a regular basis that can, like, read wine lists and talk about carbonic maceration and native... I mean, that's like a that's great. It's like a sure. new species of... young foodie right and you're kind of like one of those guys that's like you're bringing this march forward like raising that consciousness right like I'm a bird watcher, right? Kind of like not a good one, but I live in K-May, so that's like one of the greatest bird – and it's like I would like – when I make these young psalms, I meet these psalms when I'm in Paris and I'm in New York, and I'm like, what the- – you're 25 years old. How do you know this about wine? Because they started studying at 15, 16, 17. Right. They got really good palates. They got really good brains. They're actually still having neural connections that are made, <laughs> unlike me. And you're like one of those guys. You're just like this well, smart thank you. kid bringing it forward. The book's about that. It's about your coming-of-age story from getting mugged in Newark to – Living now in a uh, five thousand square foot loft in Tribeca, he came here in Bentley. <laughs> I know that for a fact. There's a there's a Maybach or the Bentley park outside. <laughs> yeah, that's his fact. Right, right. No, congratulations on your success. It's a great book. Truffle Boy's name of the book. Pronounce your last name, Ian. the Truffle Boy. We have a link to the website. It's a really, really great read, and I, I Thank love you it so also much. because I think it shines a light on how much fraud there is in this business. And part of the problem is like the USDA, like our labeling laws are just sure. so bad. I was in the import business and like. Don't even ask. Well, they're just
4: non-existent.
2: It, basically, they're as porous as, as anything has ever been. It's crazy. Thanks for coming on. Continued success.
4: And thanks for the truffles. He Thank brought you. me some truffles. He I brought did. Me some truffles. Some black winter from Spain.
2: Yeah, and that was <laughs> the other thing, too. Like the, like the book, you're talking about Sp- I'm like, right. because black truffles, we yeah. keep thinking, like, I all those years, it was like French, Burgundy, you know, Perigord, Burgundy. It's all
4: bullshit. Yes. They all come from other
2: places. So these are
4: Milanis Forum? These are.
2: Okay. Yeah. All right. We got to wrap it up. We've gone a little over an hour. Fun show. Thanks. I really liked your interview. It was great. Thanks so much for coming on. Continue success with the book. Thank and you. And your career. Thank you so much. Well, all right, stay tuned for Food Talk. Next week, I've got Pascaline LaPeltier, master sommelier, and Andy Bennett. She's the one of the co-owners and the woman runs a wire program at Rouge Tomat. Andy's a chef. We're going to talk to them the whole hour about what it was like to open in New York last year after a two-year delay. Love these people. Love Pascaline. If you like wine, stay tuned next week.